0: hey everybody it's charles from humblemechanic.com today i'm taking your questions on transmissions scan tools tdis and more this is episode 210 of the humble mechanic podcast if you want to get a question on a show like this email me charles at humblemechanic.com put question for charles in the subject ask the question at the top hit the enter button a couple times then give me the details of your question That really helps me out so much. Also, if you don't see your question on a show like this, be sure to check out the quick videos playlist on YouTube where I do one question per video. All right, let's talk about sponsor of the day, which is CRP Automotive. CRP deals in a ton of OE maintenance and repair parts, timing belt kits, suspension components, and even fluids. In fact, they make the factory DSG fluid for Volkswagen and Audi. So check them out at CRPautomotive.com. And hey, if you want exclusive content discounts, you can't get anywhere else to places like Eastwood, Black Forest Industries, MT Knives, Sonic Tools, Mycanic, and more. Check out the crew membership program. It's a great way to help support the show, the work that I do for you guys, as well as get an awesome group of discounts and basically a way to make your money back. As always, there's links down in the description so you can check that out. Also, the audio only version of this show is available on iTunes as well as several other podcasting platforms. All right, with all that wrapped up, let's get into the questions. Oh, if you're watching, you may be wondering, Charles, where are you? You're not in your studio. You're just sitting in a car. I'm sitting in the GTI because Saturday was its first startup and maiden voyage. Video coming out about it soon. Ultra pumped. So excited. In fact, I thought I'd shoot the Q&A show sitting in the GTI. Ultra pumped. Let's uh, let's get into the questions, though. First one comes from Bruce. I have a 2013 TDI Gen 2 with a manual transmission. Volkswagen's proposed modification for Gen 2 cars with manual transmissions was not approved in May and again in September. What happens to these cars now? Uh, Bruce, great question. My guess, right? I don't have any insider knowledge of this. No one's feeding me secrets from the corporate world, but my guess is they're going to keep trying, right? Thankfully... The manual transmission Passats are are a pretty low number. You know, I, I don't know what the exact production number was, but they are not a high percentage of these vehicles. Most all of the TDIs, in fact, were DSG transmissions. Then the first gen did have a good amount of manual transmissions, but that Passat, there's not a lot of them out there. So what happens? Let's let's pretend that they flat out do not get any kind of approval for the Gen 2 with manual trans. You guys may remember Gen 2 was already approved, but only on cars with a transmission that's a DSG. And the reason I think that is, is because they're probably using the transmission to maybe heat the car up faster, or you can change certain things by holding RPM longer. You can't really do all of those things with the manual transmission. The computers have much more control on a DSG, on an automatic transmission, where the driver has the control on a manual, like, like we're sitting in right now. Um, so let's talk. Best case scenario is they'll get it approved. It'll be, you know, sort of similar to the other ones where there is some slight perhaps potential for performance decrease, potential for fuel economy decrease, and increase ad blue usage or urea usage. All have seemed to be very minor to non-existent in almost every case. I have heard a handful of problems with. Uh, transmission failures after updates on Gen 1 and people really suffering in fuel economy or performance. But I think those are pretty rare cases and the majority of them are just fine. So worst case scenario is they have to buy all the manual transmissions back because they can't get a fix that gets approved. I'm not saying that's what's going to happen. I'm not saying that I think that's what's going to happen. I'm saying that is the worst possible case, right? If you still have your car at this point and waiting for some kind of resolution for the update, that means you want to keep your car. If they say, no way, you can't keep it, or you can keep it, you just get no restitution money, that in fact, for the most part, is for most people going to be the worst case scenario. They just flat out do not have a fix. Again, this is a really small production number, so it may not be a huge, huge problem. You know, if they said that on all of them, that would be a big deal. But manual transmissions are low numbers anyway. Eh, What do I think is going to happen? I think they'll probably find a fix for it. It may take a little longer. It may change how the car drives a little bit more or less. fuel economy may be impacted a little more. Those are all just assumptions. I don't really know. But my guess is that they will find a fix for it. But remember, it depends on how much this fix is going to cost. If it's going to cost... I don't know, uh, another year of R&D to get this right, it may be cheaper to pay the manual Passat customers more money and just get, get the cars you know, off the road. But that hasn't seemed to be the strategy for everything. They committed very early on that there would be a repair for every single vehicle that was on the road. So we have to assume that that's what's going to happen. I think it's just a matter of time, hopefully before the Torags all get approved, The manual trans passats get approved. So Bruce, good job keeping up to speed on what's going on. Keep your ears open, your eyes open, because I'm sure you'll get informed when that approval finally happens. All right, next one up is from Brandon. Good evening. Let me first start by saying I love the informative videos and have been a subscriber to the YouTube channel for a few months now, right? on, Brandon. I've learned a lot about V-dubs by watching your content, and I got a quick question. I bought my wife one of her dream cars. Uh, I love that. A 2013 Beetle Turbo. When I ran the VIN, it came back as an R-Line trim. I thought the R-Line was new for 14. I'm confused on what motor her cute little bug has. Is it equipped with an EA 888 engine? The car has a Fender Audio, Touchscreen XM, 19-inch wheels, and all the premium bells and whistles. However, it does not sport the R-Line badges. Let me know your thoughts. I can supply the VIN if you'd like. Keep up the good work. So, Brandon, your wife's Beetle does have an EA 888 engine. I want to say that's probably going to be a two liter. The easiest way, dude, to to be 100% sure is for everybody, for any car. When you open up the hood, there should be an emission sticker somewhere under the hood that says the displacement of the engine. Uh, It may say 2.0 liter. It may say 1.8. It may say 1800. This one I think says 2793 or something like that because it's almost a one a 2.8 liter it's like that far away from being there um so that's that's how you definitively decide what kind of engine you have is look at the sticker under the hood you can also call your local dealership and have them run the vin because you know as dealerships they can pull much deeper information from the vin they can actually pull the engine code and that'll tell you exactly what engine you have too uh so that's that's how to really tell but what is this deal with the r-line and the vin and it says all that stuff So a lot of times, VW groups their cars together in a very awkward way. So my GTI, for example, is a 98. If you run the VIN, it says it's a driver's edition. But driver's editions were only 97. Yet it has wheels from a driver's edition and a lot of other styling cues that were on the driver's edition as well. But it says that it's a driver's edition even though it's not. If you were to run a Mark IV... A lot of Golfs will say R32, even though they're not R32s. A lot of Golfs will say GTI, even though they're not a GTI. Even the Mark 7s, I want to say, when you get into the Golf family, Golf, GTI, Golf wagon, it says all three of those in the VIN description. So yours probably, because it's a higher line trim, says R-line, but you're right. I think they have to have the badges in order to technically be an R-line. It makes it super confusing. You know, even even when we ran that stuff, it made it really confusing. Um, New Beetles were another example. If it had a convertible option, it would say New Beetle, New Beetle, convertible. It groups all of them together in the description. And why that is, I don't know. Uh, it's probably some kind of, you know, punching in the information. Maybe they have a drop-down menu that that's all it says. I don't really know but it it is how a lot of the cars are a lot of Volkswagens anyway uh, again it just makes it really confusing for dealerships for us as owners and enthusiasts because it says it's a driver's edition it says it's in our line but technically technically it's not so i hope that clears it up a little bit it's goofy as hell uh, it, but you know it's one of those things where we can spend all the time in the world trying to figure out why they do it or there's really no point accept it for what it is and move on to bigger problems. Alright, next one up is from Riley. Why might a transmission go nuts after a battery change? I replaced a dead battery on my wife's 08 B6 Passat with FSI. When I hooked everything back up, I waited for about an hour and started the car. The traction control light stayed on and when I put the car into reverse, it shifted with a clunk. Interestingly, this happened about two years ago and I disconnected the battery for something else. But that time, the issue corrected itself when I left the car alone for an hour. I'll try that again tomorrow, as I've only messed with it for a bit after the change. Any thoughts? Thanks, as always. Love the show. Riley. Riley, great question. Um, So I I didn't follow up with Riley to see if the car is cool now or not. So uh, let's field this question as it's written. Why would his transmission or the transmission on his wife's car go nuts after disconnecting the battery? Well, these transmissions have what um, I lovingly call and actually Volkswagen used to call this fuzzy logic. Now they call it like adaptive shift strategy or something way more elegant than fuzzy logic. So fuzzy logic was this big joke in the shop where to really fully understand the strategy you were trying to talk about, you had to think with the mind of having a few beers just to that point where you're like the professor type drunk, right? Um, so that, that's the fuzzy, fuzzy logic that I always think of when I start thinking of these things, but your transmission actually can learn the behavior of the driver. It can learn, is this a hard driver? Is this someone that shifts, you know, drives really light footed? Um, because it can change the shift strategy based on that. That's why sometimes if wife drives the car normally and like a normal person, husband gets in the car, first thing he does is mash the pedal to the floor the transmission and ECM may be a little bit confused. When you disconnect the battery, it usually wipes out all those pre-learned, pre-set things that the TCM has. So you sort of go back to square one to base. And because that happened, a lot of times it's gonna up the transmission fluid pressure, which especially going into reverse can cause kind of a clunk or a thud going into gear and usually it happens one time, and that's it. Typically, you'll take it, you'll put it, you know. for us at the dealership, we'd back it out of our shop, out of the bay, and go for a drive. The first one or two shifts might be a little bit abrupt or a little bit awkward, but after that, the car started shifting perfectly because the TCM was learning, again, where it was and what it was trying to do. Similar to what happens when you wipe faults out it wipes out all the learned values of whatever module you're clearing. So you probably just lost all that information when you disconnected the battery. The EPC light stays on because you don't have steering angle. It didn't know where the steering wheel was, so that light's gonna remain on. Usually a quick trip around the building, as far as when I was at the dealership, that would all go away. Sometimes before we even got out of the shop, the light would be off. Uh, But take it, if this kind of stuff happens, before you guys worry about like things really being screwed up, take the car on a drive, a short drive, drive it normal, and see what happens. And most often, the lights will go out, the transmissions will get happy, the idle speed will regulate and be normal. You can avoid some of this by doing things like setting kickdown adaptation before you start the car, setting throttle body adaptation before you start the car. That helps, but the the newer ones being like 04 and up so that goes back a pretty long way they don't really need that this car really did need throttle body adaptation to be happy it would eventually learn but it was always better to go in with the scan tool run uh, basic setting 98 or basic setting 60 this car both of them worked and relearn the position of the throttle body if you didn't do that the idle might be high for a while, or the car may be a little bit awkward at first, eventually learning its position. Unless it got really pissed off, then then it would actually require you to go in, you know, with a scan tool or something, or your phone or whatever, and set that adaptation. So Riley, good question. Do me a favor in the comments. Let us know what you did after hooking this battery back up and let us know if that fixed it. All right, last one of the day comes from Albert. What would be a good scan tool for a VWGTI 2010, also without breaking the bank? My warranty will be done soon and I will need to work on my car. FYI, I was trying to win your old toolbox so I wouldn't have to buy tools to repair my car. I'm also waiting on the video that are the key tools for Volkswagen. I have a lot of metric and standards. Thank you, Albert. Albert, uh, that video will be out at some point. It's a video I really need to do because I think a lot of people waste a lot of money on tools that they don't absolutely have to have. And the tools required really for this car are very different than what would be for my Tiguan. I feel like as the newer generations come out, as cars move to MQB, um, they require a lot less tools. You don't need 15 ways to take out a number five Allen like you did when these cars were out, the Mark 4s were out, the 5s were out, the B5s and 6s were out. Um, they were very different cars. They, they are all very similar now, which is great if you're buying tools because you don't have to buy so much. To your question on tools and scan tools more specifically, two options. Option one is definitely a more affordable option even if you don't have an Android phone and that is the OBD11 scan tool. Uh, I have one somewhere, it's a tiny little dongle, plugs into your OBD just like everything else would. And then you pair it with your phone if you have an Android phone. If you don't have an Android phone, try and find a compatible tablet or something like that. I actually think this is a little small. I would rather have something bigger, You know, maybe like iPad mini size uh, or Acer. I have an Acer tablet somewhere that's about this big. I think that is a good size for a scan tool. So you spend, I think it's $80 now, uh, for OBD-11, it did go up in price. You spend 80 bucks on the dongle. You spend, call it 100 bucks on the tablet. You're in for under $200. And OBD is a pretty powerful tool, even though you have to be hooked up online and you have to buy credits for the specialty side of the scan tool. If you just want to go in and pull faults and check measured values, you don't need the credits. But let's say you want to do something specific to your GTI-like program the auto up and down windows. There's a function button for that, but you have to pay with your credits that you have. You get X number of credits when you buy the system, when you buy the tool, and then you buy more as needed. I used exactly zero when I was messing around with, uh, with my wife's Tiguan with it. But if you're needing these guidance, guided functions or these, this help with the scan tool, you do have to trade your credits for that. It's really not that big of a deal but i just want to make sure i let you know so that's option one and it's a pretty affordable option especially if you have an android phone but not too bad even if you buy a tablet but i do feel that obd 11 in my opinion is a little bit limited understand though where that's coming from that is coming from someone that has worked with the factory scan tool for a really long time and love or hate Otis, right? I know if you guys are VW techs, you know how we all feel about this. Love or hate it, it is an incredibly powerful scan tool. You're not going to spend five grand on this scan tool. No no DIYer or enthusiast is going to do that. So what other option is there? There's the kind of OG option in Vagcom. Far and away the best aftermarket scan tool for working on VW Audis that there is out there. The Autels and the Matcos and the Snap-on ones, all that stuff is fine. However, it is not as good for working on these kind of cars as Vagcom. Vagcom at the dealership was my go-to whenever I was working on a CP car, a customer-pay vehicle. It was also my go-to whenever I couldn't get anywhere with the factory scan tool. It was what I used. I had a laptop dedicated solely for using Vagcom. Now you can get a version that works with your phone that's still technically in beta. I like the laptop version considerably better. So it is far better, in my opinion, than OBD11, as long as you are going to use it that way. Most enthusiasts aren't gonna ever go deep into working with Vagcom. They're just not. You're not gonna go look at 35 measured value blocks to try and diagnose a problem. You're gonna go, "Uh, I'm trying to diagnose a door, I got a fault for the door latch. Oh look, it shows it's open when it's closed needs a door latch. You're probably not going to be doing advanced readings of engine data or anything like that. But if you are, and if you plan to become more familiar with the car and how to diagnose it, Vagcom's the way to go. You really have three options with Vagcom. There are other packages you can buy, but these are the three that I like. You have the three VIN cable, okay? So it's, it's a cable you buy, but you're only allowed three VINs to use. This is perfect for the average DIYer where you have a Volkswagen, your wife has a Volkswagen, you can work on your two cars. And then, you know, maybe your buddy's got one that's three. All right. For the sake of being accurate, I went ahead and pulled the prices for you guys uh, so we know exactly what we're talking about. For that three VIN cable I mentioned, it's 199 If you want to up that and get more cars, you can move to a 10 VIN set, which is going to be 299. If you wanna go with the Hexnet cable, which is the wireless one, 10 VINs is gonna be 450 bucks. If you want the full version, unlimited VINs with the Hexnet cable, so this is called the Hexnet Pro, it's gonna run you 600 bucks. Even at 600 bucks, this is a no brainer tool for someone that is a professional VW Audi tech. For the average DIYer, I think 600 bucks is a little bit more than they're probably gonna to wanna to spend. So I would be, if I were going to buy one as Charles, the VW fan, I'd probably buy the 10 VIN for 300 bucks. It's not going to break the bank. It's a good deal. And I got 10 VINs, which will cover my current cars, a buddy or two's car, and then the next round of cars if if, uh, I need to work on someone else's. As a professional, unlimited is the only way to go. If you're only got one Volkswagen, you can look at the three VINs, but I think the 10 VINs is a much better buy. This is where it's at. This is my go-to, it's what I use. Even though I have OBD 11, I use Vagcom. In fact, in fact, this is how much I use Vagcom. The cable is sitting right here in my GTI because I was using it yesterday to check faults on my car. This is the Hexnet one. That um, that is is Wi-Fi. So love, love, love this thing. So there's other ones out there. You can buy generic code readers and things that work okay. But for your VW guys and, and your Audis and really a lot of the other VW Audi family, Bentley, Lamborghini, uh, those are the two. Discount, budget, build, DIYer. Not gonna go deep into information. OBD-11, I really think is a good product. Vagcom, VCDS, or Rostec, it's all the same thing. It is a much more powerful tool. All right, guys, with that, I am going to wrap it up there. are Questions, comments, you know what to do. If you like the video, give it a thumbs up, always appreciate that. If you are listening to the podcast, do me a favor, head over to your favorite podcasting platform and leave a review for the show. If you liked it, hit it with five stars. If you didn't, well, hit it with less than five. Either way, I really do appreciate it. Again, if you want exclusive content, discounts you can't get anywhere else to places like Adam's Polishes, Eurowise, MT 9 Sonic Tools. The Sonic Tool discount is ridiculous, like 20% on your first order, 10% after that. Check out the Crew Membership Program. If you want to not support the Crew Membership, I did also set up Patreon, just like you guys had asked me to. You can also use my Amazon link, which costs you this many extra dollars. Just smash that link down in the description or at the blog at HumbleMechanic.com buy whatever you were going to buy on Amazon anyway. and I get a little credit for it. You can also follow me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and of course, Snapchat. All right, guys. Hey, thank you so much for watching or thank you so much for listening. And I will see you next time.